This episode contains gunfire and recreations of sounds of the Vietnam conflict. It may be unnerving for some listeners, and while we aim to immerse you into the story, we also want you to be conscious of the fact that you may hear sounds reminiscent to wartime conditions. Listener discretion is advised. This is Old Mountain Media. It's 1969. Picture yourself in the hot, humid, and thick jungles of Southeast Asia. You are leading your platoon over a large hill, guns at the ready, your senses on high alert. The sun is blaring from overhead, and the mosquitoes constantly dive-bomb your arms and neck, sucking not only your blood, but your desire to continue on this thick path. At any moment, Enemy soldiers might surprise you with an ambush. Your feet ache, your back sweats, your hands are cramping from holding a tight grip on your scalding hot M16 machine gun. It continues to slip out of your hand, and you constantly adjust your hold on the weapon, knowing that at any moment, you might need to spring into action. Sarge! Sarge! Can we get a short break? Not now, Private. Stow your sack. Get a grip and press on. You think the other side is whining like you are? Your platoon is tired, hot, and hungry. They've been marching into Kantun province near the border of Laos for three weeks, and the pressure is mounting to find the enemy, take them out, and call in air support to clear the shadows cast in the jungle. You've been on a number of reconnaissance missions this year, but for some reason, this one feels different. There's something in the air, something peculiar. Something hard hits your helmet. You look down and see a baseball-sized rock. Hey, who threw that at me? You're going to wish you never woke up this morning when I get through with you. Another rock hits the man behind you. Ouch! Then, a storm of rocks fall from the sky. What are the Viet Cong doing throwing rocks? Did they run out of ammo? What is this madness? You put your fist in the air, the sign for your troops to freeze where they are, and the entire platoon squats on the ground. Hey, hey, Sarge! One of your troops whispers loudly to you. You shoot him a look of anger and threat, daring him to speak again. And yet he does. Sarge, I don't think that's them. I think... I think it's something different. Look! He points to a line of trees only ten meters away, and there you see something odd. Not apes, not men, but something in between. They are about five feet tall, covered in black hair, and standing in a line. You count five of them. The sun has provided enough light to show every aspect of their face, their huge eyes, wide mouths, human-like noses, and thick brows. They stare you down. You've never seen anything like this in your life. What are these things? Apes? No. No, they look like some sort of ape-man thing. Suddenly, one of the creatures picks up a rock with arms that are longer than a normal human's, and you watch it hurl the object at another one of your soldiers. Then, as soon as you turn back around, the creatures are gone. Sarge, I... I don't think those were monkeys or humans. Well, what the hell do you think they were? 
Well, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure we just saw something that, that no one will believe. In your mind, you know the soldier is right. Everyone will think we're crazy. You don't know what you just saw, but you do know one thing. These creatures don't want you here. This is the story of the Noi Zoom. Pacific Northwest Sasquatch Shadows presents Something Cryptid This Way Comes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever felt like you're in a tunnel? The sides are closing in on you. You're unable to escape the overwhelming feelings of unhappiness, anger, worry, or fear. I have, many times. Over the years, I've tried to solve my own problems, lean on myself, and suppress the depression of my past and the anxiety of my future. Then I decided to do something about it. And while I'm still a work in progress, I know that without getting help, those invisible monsters would reach for any opportunity they can to consume me. They still do. But with online therapy, I'm conquering those monsters. And it feels good. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work. Maybe you're not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better. Because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself, because you are your greatest asset. And here's a special offer for Something Cryptid This Way Comes listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash PNW. That's betterhelp.com slash PNW. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Reports of an ape-like bipedal mammal have been documented in the Central Highlands area of Vietnam all the way back to the beginning of the 19th century when the region came under French control and was known as Indochina. 
progressively explored by missionaries and adventurers. The actual first reference to these creatures in literature comes from 1820. Before U.S. occupancy in the later 20th century, villagers in the Central Highlands had kept the French and other Vietnamese at bay, holding to their solitude and simple means of existence. A French ship captain came across a French missionary who had penetrated these villages and had come across a race of men with tails. The hill tribes lived alongside these wild men and aimed to keep harmony between the species. In 1830, another French missionary by the name of Father Francois Isidore Jaganot wrote down a simple encounter. In 1895, Paul Danjouan, a French anthropologist, claims to have spent time with the wild men in the central highlands of Vietnam. He claims that as his party traveled from Bien Hoa to Cambodia, they were able to capture a specimen. In 1912, Henri Montreux claims to have seen one of these creatures in his book Les Jongreux Mois. The people of the highlands, as stated by Henri, never hurt or captured the Nuezung, but later, after his publication, Henri was killed by the same villagers he had spent time with. Over the next 50 years, countless records began to surface about experiences with the wild man of Vietnam. The mystery remains today, and as the U.S. made its way to Southeast Asia in the name of combating communism, the stories began to spread at a rapid pace. This is one of those stories. September 29, 1967. It's a scorching day in Washington, D.C. President Johnson has been hit with opinions about the United States' involvement in the Vietnam conflict from all sides. To his right, aides and senators support the involvement as an opportunity to crush communism in its path, hindering an ideology that proved an imminent threat to the American way of life. To his left, protesters, mostly on university campuses, fought the establishment and started small riots in objection to the war. As every president before him and every president that will take up the post in the future, there was no way to meet the expectations of all. President Johnson takes the stage to address Congress, justifying the United States' involvement in this conflict that will remain a subject of debate until the end of time. I do not have to tell you that our people are profoundly concerned about that struggle. There are passionate convictions about the wisest course for our nation to follow. There are many sincere and patriotic Americans who harbor doubts about sustaining the commitment that three presidents and a half a million of our young men have made. Doubt and debate are enlarged because the problems of Vietnam are quite complex. They are a mixture of political turmoil, of poverty, 
of religious and factional strife, of ancient servitude, and modern longing for freedom. Vietnam is all of these things. Vietnam is also the scene of a powerful aggression that is spurred by an appetite for conquest. It is the arena where communist expansionism is most aggressively at work in the world today, where it is crossing international frontiers in violation of international agreements, where it is killing and kidnapping, where it is ruthlessly attempting to bend free people to its will. And into this mixture of subversion and war, of terror and hope, America has entered with its material power and with its moral commitment. As the Viet Cong made their way south, U.S. troops, among soldiers from other countries, made their way north. Over the next seven to eight years, hundreds of thousands would give their lives to the conflict. Close to two million Vietnamese would perish in both southern and northern Vietnam, and the effects of chemical weapons used in the conflict are visible today, in the U.S. and in Vietnam, where birth defects and cancers are on the rise from the use of Agent Orange, a defoliant that would manifest in the fatty tissues of those in close contact with it. 2.7 million American men and women would take part in this conflict over its duration, and with so many come stories that are not often told, not often reported. Daniel Torsney was part of the Long Range Reconnaissance Patrol, or LRRP, that was making its way north in the central jungles of Vietnam, near the Kontum province. The six-man patrol was hiking through dense jungle, ankle and sometimes knee-deep in red and brown mud, and battling the overhead sun blaring through the canopy that did not offer relief with shade. The sweat poured off the troops' necks and out from under their three-pound helmets, which supposedly offered protection against debris, dirt, light shrapnel, and even ricochets. Called an M1, these helmets were standard use. Even though they provided protection, they were also a heat trap. Torsney, hold up! We can't stop right here. We're in the open. Look, just a click ahead. Let's stop there to breathe. I, I can't. I gotta stop now. Dan looks at his fellow soldiers, and the sweat is creating streaks of brown running down their faces like tiger stripes. He is just as tired, but knows that if they do stop here, they are fully exposed. Come on, just a bit further. The patrol made it to the covering of the jungle, and all six collapsed. They've been hiking for days, taking little to no breaks and looking for a place to find repose, but this was not their home. They didn't know these jungles, and any kind of training and boot camp at home did not prepare them for this thick environment full of strange sounds, odd animals, and unsteady ground. Dan thought about his family, his mom and his dad, his little brother, and his girl, Rebecca. He wondered what Becky, as he called her, was doing at this moment. They had just started dating before he was drafted, and she promised she'd wait for him. 
Doubts often flooded his mind about her promises to wait for him, but he quickly brushed them away and recalled the nights before he left that were stolen away with her by his side. Her soft brown shoulder-length hair, her smooth skin, and the scent of peppermint that lingered in a room after she left it. Peppermint. He was starting to forget the scent of peppermint. Torsdy, wake up! Dan had nodded off when he opened his eyes to find two of his patrols standing over him. Something's watching us. Over there, in the trees. The soldier pointed through the trees and Dan quickly got to his knees, squinting into the brush. Yep, something was there all right. Dan fell to his stomach, aimed his M16 at the face, and waited. The eyes were all he could see and they merely looked back. They tilted at an angle, but it made no sudden movements aside from blinking. And then, in a flash, the eyes were gone. You guys see that? Was it a scout? What's it doing? I have no idea, but we'd better get a move on. If it is a scout, there's bound to be more of them hunting us. The patrol quickly took formation again, walking in a line, each soldier's gun drawn and held out in front of them. They pushed through the thick limbs and bushes, the sound of animals coming from every side. The terrain was steep and daunting, and the trees were so close together that the soldiers had to press their way through them just to keep from falling over. Their guns, rucksacks, and LBEs, load-bearing equipment, added at least 100 pounds to each of the soldiers. They were weary, tired, and alone. Dan kept thinking about those eyes. As the sun began to rise in the west, the patrol decided to take a short break. They had pushed through the walls of green and curtains of jungle vines all night, and a moment of respite was sorely overdue. Suddenly, the trees and bushes just 20 yards up the hill began to shake viciously, and with what looked like purpose and intent. Wind could not cause a cluster of trees to move like this, thought Dan to himself. There must be someone out there. Dan waited for the intruder with his M16 pointed at the commotion. The other five soldiers did the same, and they stood in silence, breathing slowly, but their hearts racing. Dan felt like his heart was in his throat. Something was out there, and had come to attack. Dan could barely make out its eyes, but when he did, he saw the same eyes he had seen before staring him down. They looked angry and annoyed. Dan expected to see one of the Viet Cong open fire, but upon closer look, noticed this was not like any man he had seen before. Its entire face was covered in reddish-brown fur. Its prominent brow jetted out above the dark, staring eyes, and the nose, while human-like, was much flatter. Its jowls were huge and set in a scowl. Dan could make out each facial muscle and was determined not to open fire. He had no idea what this thing was, but it was not firing on him. And so, they waited. After a few minutes, which seemed like hours, 
the figure stepped out from the bushes. It was around five feet tall and covered in hair just like its face, matted and dirty, and caked with mud. It had broad shoulders and muscular arms, and its torso was a V-shape leading down to its brawny legs. It took a few steps, and Dan expected it to fall to all fours, just as an orangutan would. But it continued walking upright, taking slow steps toward the Americans. What, what is that thing? It's, it's one of those damn rock apes, like one we've seen closer back to base. It's just a monkey. No, it ain't. That ain't no monkey. Dan knew that there hadn't been orangutans in Vietnam for hundreds of years. This, this was something different. He recalled talking with a few locals in the surrounding villages through an interpreter. At one point, an older member of the village had mentioned a creature called the Nuoi Zung, the people of the forest. Could this be one of them? He had brushed off the stories as local folklore, but had heard a few stories of creatures like this back in his home in Washington State. Maybe this was something similar to that. Maybe this was a Vietnamese Bigfoot. Dan and his patrol never saw the creature again, and they completed their reconnaissance two weeks later, all returning safely to their home base. But the vision of the creature stayed in his mind, and he couldn't help thinking about the Watcher in the jungle. The Nuoi Zung. The Batutut. The Bigfoot. Dan Torsney's story is just one of many. Numerous soldiers returned with various accounts of the Batutut. This episode is sponsored by Pride Counseling. We live in a world of mystery, of unanswered questions, of constant bombardment from endless opinions, and mostly from questions within ourselves. I've taken advantage of online therapy and have seen the benefits as a professional, a father, a spouse, and a friend. And without the help from online counseling, I would most likely still be stuck in the ruts of uncertainty and bleakness. We all struggle with our own true nature at one point or another, or we know someone who has. Therapy can be the difference between happiness and overwhelming darkness. Pride Counseling is affordable, private online counseling for the LGBTQIA community. You can get access to licensed, trained, fully accredited counselors and therapists that are LGBTQIA friendly. These counselors and therapists have at least three years of experience, at least 2,000 hours of hands-on experience, and are qualified and certified by their state's professional board. All you need to do is go to pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. Fill out a questionnaire, get matched with the counselor who is perfect for you, and you can start counseling today. It's more affordable than in-person counseling. And if you can't afford counseling, there is financial aid available that you can apply for. You get unlimited 24-7 messaging with your counselor, meaning you're connected with a counselor the entire time via your phone, or computer, and you can schedule live video, phone, or text sessions with your counselor as well. With Pride Counseling, you're not wasting time traveling, and if you don't vibe with the therapist you're matched with, you can switch. Best of all, you connect from the comfort of your home. Half the battle of getting into counseling is getting to the counselor, and Pride Counseling eliminates that hassle. Plus, a lot of people in the LGBTQIA community are not comfortable talking to a therapist in person, out of fear of discrimination, or perhaps they just don't have access to a therapist that specializes in what they're struggling with. With Pride Counseling, you can connect with an LGBTQIA counselor from anywhere. And as a special offer to Something Cryptid This Way comes, listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at pridecounseling.com slash 
PNWPOD. That's P-N-W-P-O-D. Again, that link is pridecounseling.com slash PNWPOD. Thank you to Pride Counseling for sponsoring this podcast. In 1972, 12 men in another patrol near the Kontum province in the central highlands of Vietnam made their way back from a three-day patrol to their base camp. The Viet Cong had been hiding out and ambushing patrols on their way back from their intended area as they knew the American soldiers would be tired and an easier target upon their return. During a firefight, one of the American soldiers noticed a large figure moving about from behind the patrol. The soldier stated that the creature was at least seven feet tall and screamed at him as he fled. The roar was deafening, but allowed the American soldiers to escape the ambush of the Viet Cong. Gunfire from both sides had stopped during the scream, and the Viet Cong fled in the opposite direction. The soldiers returned to the site the next day to investigate. They found the body of a Viet Cong fighter, whose body had been ripped apart, not by gunfire, but by something much more powerful. They spoke with local villagers who explained that the Viet Cong fighter had been killed by a Batutut, one of the forest people. Bigfoot mania had hit America as the footprints of a large creature had recently been seen in Northern California, and the Patterson-Gimlin sighting in the Sierras had taken place only a few years previously. The soldiers were sure this was such a creature. They knew they had seen the results of an angry Bigfoot. The Vietnam conflict pitched hundreds of thousands of humans deep into areas of Vietnam hardly explored or even visited before, into areas that native populations had avoided due to superstition and fear of the wildmen that occupied those areas. Baffled U.S. soldiers, having been attacked with rocks from the air, dubbed the unknown species rock apes, and the name has stuck ever since. What is mystifying is the fact that North Vietnamese also came across these creatures with the same stories of rock throwing, corroborating with the stories of the U.S. soldiers. The North Vietnamese Party Secretariat ordered scientists into the Kontum region to gather information and evidence of the creature. In 1969, zoologist John McKinnon traveled to the area and discovered three unknown mammals in the North Vietnamese rainforests, as well as unidentifiable prints. As America pulled its occupation in 1974, numerous stories surrounding the Nui Zung floated through the ranks. Most soldiers that experienced the ape-like creature would keep it to themselves until much later in life for fear of mockery and scorn. To this day, there is no hard evidence of such a creature aside from the casting of a footprint resembling a giant human. It was wider than a human's and much too big to be an ape of any kind. Eight years later, in 1982, Professor Tran Hong Viet became the second Vietnamese scientist to discover a similar footprint to the print found in 1974. These discoveries added to the opinion that unknown creatures could still be out there, much like the Nui Zung, and reopened the taboo dialogue of the Vietnamese Batutut. There is still ongoing debate and controversy as to what was seen in the jungles of the Kontun province back in 1969, and with the controversial war still a topic of debate even today, the unknown stories of mystery from those that spent time in Vietnam during the conflict are continuously being told. 
Documentation of these creatures go back to the early 19th century, and it has been tied to the creature we call Sasquatch. Is this a distant relative of the Sasquatch? Could be. But it is safe to say that with all the unexplored land and areas in our vast world, we will never know exactly what is out there and what, if anything, is biding its time watching us. If you'd like to read more about the encounters with unknown creatures in Vietnam and beyond, check out Craig Jorgensen's book, Very Crazy GI, available where fine books are sold. Special thanks to wearemighty.com, Mark Felton Productions, and Matthew Russell of The Veterans Site. Dialogue used in this story is created from the events of documented encounters in the Kontum province of Vietnam, and is not necessarily accurate, but is based on extensive research. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a 5-star rating and a review, which will help get these stories out there. And again, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and visit us on Instagram at PNW Sasquatch Shadows. Help spread the word and reach out and say hello. Music used in this episode is by permission from Penta Ray. Please see a link in the notes to Penta Ray's music and check them out on YouTube and Spotify. Something Cryptid This Way Comes is part of the Old Mountain Media family of podcasts and is written, produced, and sound engineered by me, Dr. Russ, of Pacific Northwest Sasquatch Shadows. Coming this fall, a new podcast with extended stories will make its debut, Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest. I can't wait to get started on this project. This storytelling format will reveal legends and tales of adventure and mystery, many of which are not commonly known. So keep your eyes out for this upcoming podcast and stay tuned for tales of invention, discovery, mayhem, and even a touch of murder. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to tell a friend and keep your mind open. You never know what's out there watching us, waiting for us. Maybe they just want a nice game of chess.
Encrypted This Way Comes is a production of Old Mountain Media. Visit us on Instagram at PNW Sasquatch Shadows and Facebook at Old Mountain Media. Something cryptid this way comes. comes.